It's Fox Top 5, the podcast where the hosts always agree to disagree. This week on Fox Top 5, Jimmy Fallon. They were like a bubble team that wasn't supposed to get in. And they got in, they made the run. And Matt Napolitano. What are they doing there? They're getting in as a first four for an 11 seed play-in. How is this possible? This makes no sense. Come together to share their list of the top five NCAA tournament Cinderella's. Here are this week's hosts, Jimmy and Matt. Welcome to Fox Top 5. I am Jimmy Fallon, host of Fox Across America on Fox News Radio. And today... I am joined by sports anchor on Fox News Headlines 24-7, Matt Napolitano, and the crowd goes wild. Yo, Matt. I'm trying to go give my own crowd noise. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. How you no, doing? It, 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 no, you are virtually surfing through these stands right now. It is a very receptive crowd. This is not like <laughs> this is not like the palace in Auburn Hills, you know, where you're fighting the fans. These fans very much adore you. I would and like to avoid like, a black eye at the end of this. That would be great. <laughs> Uh, folks, for a little quick background, every week on this podcast, Fox host reporters' personalities get together to share their top five on any given topic. With the NCAA tournament underway and everyone out there making brackets and choosing their final fours, Matt and I have been reminiscing about some of the best moments from tournaments of the past, and we're going to share some of them with you and list the top five NCAA tournament Cinderella's. How about that? Matt Napolitano, I got to ask you this. You're a Fox News 24-7 sports reporter, okay? You're on the front lines of this stuff day in and day out. That's right. I would say, as a casual observer of such things, that a Cinderella to me is, you know, essentially someone that wasn't supposed to be there. They crashed the party, correct? Yeah, that's definitely it. You know, underdogs are beloved this time of year. You hear about these mid-major schools that no one's really watching. You know, everybody's got their eyes on the likes of a Duke or a UNC or a Kansas. You know, the big names when it comes to college basketball. And then you have these schools that kind of pop up out of nowhere that you have to Google where they're actually located in some cases, <laughs> where the mascot stems from. When was the last time they even got to the bracket? But those are what makes this time of year so much fun and really just gets everybody so riled up because those bracket busters are frankly the best part of the season absolutely and i think what he's saying is that cinderellas are teams that lost a lot of people money yeah. because <laughs> exactly because <laughs> that, that's what happens but the magic of the cinderella story and this is what's awesome about sports is they destroy your bracket your money is gone but it's such it's a powerful narrative so you wind up rooting for the your conqueror in a weird way right yeah, that's really what it comes down to. You know, you shred up your bracket, turn it into confetti, walk around frustrated in your apartment for about, oh, three minutes. And then you calm down and you realize, OK, yeah, I'm 250 in the hole. But at the same time, now I get to watch this team try and make a run and try and take down some of these top dogs. It's pretty cool stuff at the end of it. Yeah, you're still upset that your wallet's a little emptier, but enjoy the experience. And really, for those kids, they got to enjoy it even more. I mean, here's some relative unknowns that may never be heard from again. And now they get their chance in the national spotlight pretty cool it is it's actually really it is really cool so with with that being said i will just tell you that i came into this uh and i i put mine together with two basic criterias for assessment um one was obviously great story uh the other for me having a little bit of a gambling background my family paid and didn't pay its mortgage for the better part of 10 years depending on the final score of football games so Oftentimes, I was probably swayed by some of the betting lines on these games. And 
partial towards some of the bigger upsets, not ones that affected me personally, per se, but ones that uh, affected people I know. Uh, they held a special place in my heart because I grew right. up on Long Island with a lot of guys who would always, you know, they love like a good 35 point favorite in this tournament and they don't have a very good history. And I've always just derived great joy. Uh, also, as a guy, Matt, if you bet a big favorite that's laying 35 yeah. and uh, you know they're not going to cover, you start rooting against them, right? Of course. Of yeah, course. That's like, human nature. I'm not getting paid. You're not getting, you know, to the next round. How I think we that? had some similar circles running in Long Island there because I'm coming from like the same hub there of people that maybe shouldn't have gone that route, but did it anyway. And I couldn't help but be over in the corner with the little pennant that said, go other team. So this, <laughs> this, this is the first Fox top five in history where guys both owe money to the same bookmaker. It's, it's, it's making kind of history. a watershed moment. Yeah. <laughs> Our one shining moment, if you will. Number five. Without further ado, Matt, what is your number five Cinderella moment, Cinderella team? All right, my number five is the 2008 tournament run made by the Davidson Wildcats. Now, they went undefeated in the SOCOM, were pretty dominant in that conference for some time. Not really a well-known school, known as more of a mid-major. They get into the big dance, they're a 10 seed. They end up upsetting Gonzaga in the tournament opener thanks to a guy you may have heard of by the name of Stephen Curry. I mean, Curry ended up going off in this tournament. He had 40 points in that first game against the Bulldogs, ended up being a second team All-American that year. And Davidson, it ended up being the first time they won a game in the bracket since 1969. They end up making a tournament run all the way until the Elite Eight coming out on top every step of the way. Curry putting up 30 points or more in just about every game. And then they end up falling to Kansas in the Elite Eight by only two points, and that's only because, only because they double team Steph Curry at the end and was forced to give the game-winning shot to another player. As a result, Davidson falls apart. Kansas goes on to win the whole thing, but Steph Curry ended up setting a single-season three-point record in the making there for NCAA. So Davidson, 2008, Bob McKillop, Hofstra alum, just like me. Shout out to him, the head coach of the Wildcats. They're my number five. I love it. Uh, they are on my list. I will cover them in due time. My favorite thing about that run was that Steph Curry looked like a 13-year-old boy he in did. college. Yeah. And it, it really did like, like uh, you know, like when they let the kids play in the company softball game <laughs> and their out doesn't count. But in this instance, he housed everybody. That oh, was yeah, good Steph It was Curry. definitely like halftime at an NBA game when they let like the CYO league come on out and like, they just run up and down the court a little yeah. bit. That's what it was watching Steph Curry back yeah, then. But they, yeah, but, and they were hitting the shots though. It wasn't like that. <laughs> that's, just, that's just it. I mean, I'm not going to even challenge 13-year-old Steph Curry now or three-year-old Steph Curry for that matter. But <laughs> just saying, back then he was, he was youthful. He was very youthful. I love it. Well, my number five, I'm, I'm all in on that. My number five was the 2006 George Mason team. The Patriots, if you oh, yeah. will. Uh, who made it that year? They had they weren't even supposed to be in the tournament. They lost in the CAA tournament uh, semifinals. Not even not even the finals. They were like a bubble team that wasn't supposed to get in, and they got in. They made the run. Uh, but what I loved about George Mason that particular year is it also happened in a news cycle that was devoid of anything to care about. And I feel like the reason they resonate all these years later is because they were competing with nothing. You know, like this year's Cinderella teams, because we're so starved for something to do, you know, whoever they are, are really going to resonate with people by the time this is over, because you're up against like Tiger King reruns. Like what else is going on? You know, I'm waiting so, on Tiger King season two, personally. 
<laughs> well, they were the first CAA team, I believe, to reach the Final Four, which matters. So That's that correct. was historic in that regard. And uh, I believe the second 11 seed to make it. I should be able to name the first because I think they're on my list. Uh, <laughs> so if you stick with me, we'll get there. Number four. What is your number four, Matt? Well, my number four, actually talking about the CAA, it's a factor in this. I'm actually going to combine two Cinderella stories here, if you will, because in 2011, we had two cases for it. One of them being Virginia Commonwealth, the Rams of VCU, part of that also being the Bulldogs of Butler. We'll start with VCU because this personally hits kind of close to home for me as a Hofstra alum, as I just mentioned, in the Colonial. VCU ended up being a part of that tournament. I was down in Richmond that year. We all thought Hofstra was going to finally get that automatic bid. It ended up not going their way, and everybody thought maybe Hofstra would somehow get the at-large bid. They did not. VCU did but there was plenty of uproar that came with it. People being like, what are they doing there? They're getting in as a first four for an 11 seed play-in. How is this possible? This makes no sense. Well, needless to say, Shaka Smart and company ended up proving them wrong. If that name sounds familiar, he's now the head coach at Texas, leading them into the tournament this year. But taking down the likes of Pittsburgh and Florida, the Rams were just a force to be reckoned with. Joey Rodriguez carrying that team. On the other end, you had Butler, who had shocked the world the year before. No one really heard the Butler Bulldogs for quite some time, but Brad Stevens and company, led by Gordon Hayward the, the previous year, ended up making a great tournament run to the championship and ended up falling in the final. Same thing happened second time around. This time they fell to UConn, but Butler ended up being put on the map and really not being the underdog anymore, the Bulldogs, because now they're expected and anticipated to get into the tournament somehow, some way. So a combination here of the two, making my number four. No, I love this. There are, again, on my list. I All think right. you want to know why we're so, you know, they say there's something in the water. In <laughs> your instance, being a Hofstra guy, there's something in the nickel beers at McKee's. <laughs> Far too, oh, no comment. No comment. <laughs> there's, there's something in the tap. Oh, same. So let me ask you this, because I had them splitting also in this same position. Was that, if I'm correct, the first time two teams in that position had played each other in the final four? Am I correct on that? Uh, yeah, I believe so. That would be the first time around. Yeah, I thought so. Like, I was reading fun facts about that game, and there were like 12 more than I wrote down or remembered. <laughs> I mean, because what jumped out at me about that game was Butler was in the national title game the year before. Yeah. And usually the way these stories work, if you'll notice, is we never talk about a Cinderella team that's on the list twice. You know, of course. the program bottoms out. Everybody's it's... driving an Uber a year from now. It's 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 very much it's very much the Bruce Springsteen song Glory Days. The next time you hear about these guys, you run into them walking in and out of a bar. Oh my but god! They, but they got back. Butler got back. They did. And so for that reason, I was going to ask you this: Shouldn't we, uh, factoring in everything, even though we're making them share this entry on the list, shouldn't we have Butler ahead technically? If, if only one, should we? What's that a consent? You know what? I think that you can make the case for that. I would argue, though, for uh, Butler now, you know, it's not out of reason for them to make the tournament anymore. I would argue yeah. more to put VCU forward because okay. VCU is in a very rare spot. It's okay. not as common for them. And especially since they switched up conferences, they don't have the luxury of the Colonial like they used to. I'll give you that. A, a VCU birth is like a Joe Biden press conference. You know, you, <laughs> you've heard about them. You, never you blink really and you miss them. it. <laughs> Thanks. There you go. You blink and you uh, wake up is? 60 days later. <laughs> the countdown continues after this. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Number three. What's your number three? Uh, My number three is the Loyola Chicago Ramblers in 2018 making the run there. I mean, who doesn't love Sister Jean? She just became the instant media darling, 99-year-old nun who ended up being the team chaplain, going from game to game, even had them in her own bracket only making the Sweet 16. Somehow this 11 seed makes the final four and takes down the likes of Miami, Tennessee on the way there, taking out Kansas State to get to the final four for the first time in 55 years. But I'm also going to add on attack on an addendum to 2018 because that was also the first year that a 16 seed beat a number one seed in yes. NCAA tournament history. And that was the day that I really definitely cried myself to sleep and watching my bracket get busted because <laughs> University of Maryland, Baltimore County, yes, the Terriers, taking down the top seed overall in the tournament, the Virginia Cavaliers. And not just like a close call, blew them out of the water. And yes. ended up really destroying a lot of people's brackets that year. But back to Loyola Chicago, it was a huge year for them. They're back in the NCAA tournament this year. And now 101 years old, Sister Jean is actually going to be in Indianapolis to watch the Ramblers again. She's got them going to the Elite Eight. The Elite Eight this year, wow. Jimmy, if they can beat Illinois in that region. If they exceed expectations by two rounds, which is what they did when she picked them that year. Yeah. That would actually put them in the final that, four, no? That puts them in the final, yeah. Wow, that would be a great story. And that would be uh, something I would bet my life against, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't see it, but uh, I, I, I would love to see it. <laughs> and I love the story. Uh, really quickly, I will catch us up on two things. My number three was Davidson, which was uh, your number five. So we won't yep. spend too much time on Steph Curry. Although if you play video games uh, and you play any of the NBA 2K games and stuff, that Steph Curry, I should also mention to the children listening, because I know we have a big child following. You know, when people hear like Newt Gingrich come on and Carl Rowe, they, you know, the kids come. They want to. Oh, yeah, you know, I know. Yeah, it's, it's like um, BTS in One Direction. I know. You, you get it. But uh, Steph Curry, uh, video game Steph Curry, is no better in 2021 in any of the NBA video games than he was in person in 2008. I will leave it at that. <laughs> the cheat, he's a cheat code Steph Curry in 2008. Yeah. Oh, my if God. I, if I confused you, I, I apologize. Number two. You're number two first. So my number two, I'm going to throw it back here, and we're going to go to 1983, North Carolina State. The Wolfpack, six seed Ooh. coming into that one. They eked out some early wins that barely beat out Pepperdine and then UNLV. And then somehow, someway, the Wolfpack just carved their way through and end up in a final against Houston, the likes of Clyde Drexler, Hakeem Olajuwon, legends of basketball. But things just seemed to go their way in that game. Clyde Drexler getting into foul trouble super early. Yet Hakeem Olajuwon struggling to breathe, actually. He had an illness that he was battling through that game. But somehow, some way, they pull off the victory. 54-52. You may recall the famous video of the late, great Jim Valvano storming onto the court in celebration of his first title. And it really is iconic when you think about the time of year that we're entering with the NCAA tournament. This is one of those moments that you see in clips and highlights over and over again. And it's a six seed. You know, you expect a six seed to barely make it out of the first round alive. And here they are running the table, getting past the likes of even Virginia to get to that final game going up against, I believe that was uh, Ralph Sampson back in the day. Uh, And to go up against two future Hall of Famers and take them down in Olajuwon and Drexler, Props to NC State and that incredible run, and that is why I got them listed as my second 
best Cinderella story? I think it's fantastic. I, they're not on my list, but uh, I can get behind anybody who beat Akeem Olajuwon because of what he did to the Knicks. Uh, amen. Because thank you. There you go. <laughs> and the funniest thing, by the way, about that is like we refer to that era of Knicks basketball as the glory years. What does it say about us that we didn't win the title in our glory years? Is it bad like, that my fondest memory of that '90s is watching it picture in picture with the OJ chase? Yeah, I was just gonna say. I was gonna say that. <laughs> that was like the origins of picture in picture. Yes, <laughs> the Bronco alongside Knicks Rockets. He is, of course, referring to former Buffalo's Bills running back OJ Simpson, the mm-hmm. NFL's all-time leader in fleeing yardage, uh, <laughs> rushing and fleeing. Ever played um, for the Broncos? Only the Bills. <laughs> hey, my number two. My number two was Loyola Chicago and Sister Jean. So I was right there with you. We were just off by one. Uh, But I was, like I said, the teams they beat along the way mattered so much. The reason I didn't make them my number one is because I am legally, I'm married into an Ohio State family. My wife's from Ohio. And because they lost to Michigan, like by law, I can't endorse anybody who lost to Michigan. And this could, like, I could lose a custody battle. I have so much hanging in the balance here. So I don't, don't to, risk it. Don't risk it. I, thank you. Them being as recent as they were, they they had number one status, but I had to keep them at two. Number. 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 Number, number one. Five, four, three. Two. Number one. Number one. And I think when you kind of do the math here, it really shouldn't surprise many, but the 1985 Villanova Wildcats, Rolly Massimino, the eighth seed coming into the tournament, taking down Michigan and Roy Tarpley, shocking Dean Smith's Tar Heels in the Elite Eight, and just their second trip to the Final Four in program history. They end up stunning the top seed overall, Georgetown, with a guy familiar to us as Knicks fans, Patrick Ewing, who's now the head coach of the Hoyas going into the tournament this year, shocking the powerhouse 66-64. Dwayne McClain, Ed Pinkney, ended up getting 33 points in the final. No one expected them to come away victorious in this at all. It is still a shocker to this day that an eight seed came out on top in the tournament. And Villanova in that final, you know, they couldn't miss a shot. The stat lines were just so heavily in their favor. And to this day, they're still the highest seed to ever win the NCAA men's basketball tournament. I also got a soft spot. Again, I, I feel like I'm, I got to get a plug in here for Hofstra University or get some kind of paycheck from them or take down on my student loans. But Jay Wright, former head coach of the Pride, now a head coach at Nova. So I got a little soft spot for Villanova as a result. Shout out to that. And uh, as a Nassau Community College graduate, <laughs> Uh, no I wonder you know McKeebs. No wonder yeah, you know McKeebs. I will give some <laughs> shout outs if the conversation, um, you know, switches over to like Rikers Island. I have a lot of people that I know a shout out to. I kid. I kid. Stay focused. My number one. And it's for very selfish purposes, but it has a lot of range. My number one was the 1990 Loyola Marymount team who made a tremendous run following the death of Hank Gathers. Bo Kimball, uh, who was his homie. Averaged 38 and a half points a game in the in, in the tournament, which was incredible. But this is where it gets self-serving. I am not trying to pull on the heartstrings. This is where I am a bottom-feeding uh, human. I loved this story, okay? But in they when they finally ran into UNLV, I had the good sense as a kid who grew up in a gambling household to separate myself from the emotion, and I did bet against my number one Cinderella, and UNLV beat them 133 to 101 en route to a national championship. So I was not pulling a Jimmy is a good guy number one, Matt. I was pulling a Jimmy has bills to pay, and I think your story is wonderful, Lawyer Marymount, but I can't tell the Long Island Power Authority that 
and get some money off my bill. So I bet UNLV, the running Rebels, and the Tar, and of course, Larry Johnson, and uh, made some good money. How about that? Oh my God. And, that was, and wasn't there like a 149 or what 150 game in there? Like they put up an insane yeah. amount of points throughout that entire oh. tournament. Loyal Marymount. Like, they beat was, Michigan. They blew out Michigan. They put up 149 against Michigan. It's like, even and today, that's got, like unheard of to put up that many points. Yes. No. In a college game. Insane. In a college game. No. Insane. The only uh, event I've seen with higher scoring, I would say, is this one, right? Yeah, probably. We, we put up, me and you, put up some good numbers. I feel good about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I would say just about it. I think we did pretty good here. What was really quick before I let you go? As as two guys our age, is the Christian Leitner shot like the seminal NCAA moment for you, or is there another one? I would say either that or the Villanova buzzer beater in 2017 definitely oh, goes wow. up there, too. All right, I'll give you that. No, that's fair. But both, I mean, both again, again, that falls at back to Nova falling into place on like tugging on my heartstrings. Cause All right, Jay I'm winning. Wright. I'm winning vicariously through Jay Wright. You know, Hofstra. We were supposed to be in the tournament last year. Unfortunately, COVID didn't let the tournament happen. So I got to live vicariously through Villanova. <laughs> you have pushed this Hofstra agenda so again, hard. I'm hoping that this helps to pay down some of my debts. Dude, it was five <laughs> cents a beer. How much do you owe? <laughs> Again, no comment. I go back to my previous no comment. All right, let's get out of here. Thank you to everyone for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Let us know your top five. You've been listening to Fox Top 5 on the Fox News Podcast Network. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.